T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC-FM and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning and we are pleased to be joined by John Erlinghauser, Advocacy and Community Outreach Director for AARP Connecticut. Good morning to you, sir. Uh, good morning, Aaron, and it's great to be with you again. Well, this past week, AARP the State Consumer Council and other consumer groups announced an effort to get the state to end the practice of allowing electricity consumers to buy power from third-party suppliers. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, you know something that's not a new issue for us. We've been working on the issue of third-party suppliers for many years, about uh, five years ago, we passed a robust amount of consumer protections to deal with uh, a lot of the issues that consumers were experiencing as a result of the practices of a lot of the third-party electric suppliers. Uh, things like uh, putting more information on your bill to uh, help you understand your contracts better, capping cancellation fees at $50.00. Uh, you know, no, better notification requirements. Uh, four years ago, we passed a ban on variable rate contracts. And so we've had a good four or five years to see how these consumer protections were impacting the market and ratepayers. And, you know, I, I'm sorry to say, uh, not that it was unpredicted by me, but the uh, verdict is not very good. And in fact, uh, consumers in Connecticut over the last three years who are in the third-party electric supply market, according to Ellen Katz, our, our consumer counsel for ratepayers, are paying over $200 million more for their electricity than if they stayed with the standard service. So there's obviously still a problem. Uh, AARP Connecticut volunteers do a program called What I Need to Know About My Electric Choices and give presentations around the state. And they're finding consistently that people are confused, um, victims of unscrupulous marketing practices, or are just, uh, uh, you know, determined to really understand what is best in, in their best interest. And so with all of that information that we're, we're gathering, you know, we've, we've come to the conclusion that it's time to really call an end to this practice for residential customers. And we're not talking about commercial industrial. And, you know, we can get into a little bit of why there's a difference and why the market works for those guys and it doesn't work for consumers. But, uh, you know, our allies and I are, are really saying it's time to put an end to this market. Backing up a little here, this is something that's voluntary for consumers, right? You can stay with the standard offer from either United Illuminating or Eversource if you choose to, or you can also shop around, and this is where some of the issues have cropped up. Absolutely. We, we have uh, the ability to stick with Eversource or United Illuminating uh, for your standard or, uh, service electric supply, and it's very important to know that a UI and Eversource don't care whether you take standard service or not. They make no money on that. Whatever the state pays to procure that electricity for the standard service for those two companies is a straight pass through to you. And so those companies could care less whether you choose a supplier or not. 
Now, where the problems coming in are through a lot of the marketing practices of the suppliers who come to you and, and try to get you into a standard uh, out of standard service and onto their contracts, and and the majority of of the uh, fraud, deception, and abuse from the bad actors in this market come from door to door sales, from telephone calls, or from direct mail. And when you sign up for a supplier in that way, you're in the highest probability of being deceived or into a contract that's bad because you can't really make a, a fair comparison to what other offers are out there. And, you know, we have the greatest rate board, EnergizeCT.com, in, in, in the country for the 15 deregulated states. But the problem is the average person is not signing up through the rate board. They're signing up through these other practices, so they're not getting good information. They're dealing with, you know, kind of these ad hoc employees of these companies who will say anything to get you into a support apply contract because they get paid for every contract they execute. So there's tons of fraud and abuse. And then if you get into actually the rate board, it's so confusing to deal with that rate board because you're never in a position of making an apples to apples comparison from one contract to the other. So just as a quick example, standard service is a fixed contract from January 1 to June 30th, July 31st to December uh, 31st. And your suppliers market to you against that rate. The problem is we're in February 10th now. And if you want to pick a contract moving forward, let's say that starts in March and it's for six months, you're already into three months of the standard service. So you're making a comparison about that offer based on today's standard service rate, but not the second half of your contract, which will have a new standard service rate to compare against. And so we have historically seen that that rate for standard service drops in the summer months. It's counterintuitive, but it does. And so you may save a few pennies in the first three months of your contract, but you generally will either lose that or more of it if you're not careful in that second half of the contract. So, you know, it's not just a matter of fraud, abuse, misleading practices by some suppliers. It's just an impossible market for the average person to navigate. I guess it's important to point out just as a consumer service sort of thing, you should treat your utility account number like, you know, personal information like a social security number or something, right? Absolutely. We, we, we give out these tips when we do these presentations and you should never, first of all, ever source of United Illuminating will never come and knock on your door unsolicited. And what we find a lot of these agents of these suppliers do is they'll come and say, we are with Eversource or we are with United Illuminating. We need to look at your bill because we want to make sure you're not paying more than you are supposed to and we want to save you money. Red flag right away because those those people will never come from Eversource or United Illuminating without a scheduled appointment. And once you show them your bill, not only do they have their contract, uh, uh, your account number, they have all your personal information, which could lead to a whole a host of issues. So, you know, you should never, ever sign up for a contract from a door knock, from a telephone solicitation, or from a direct mail solicitation. The only way you should do it is through the EnergizeCT.com website, but it's also imperative on you to make sure you know the details of a contract, ensure that there are no uh, extra charges, make sure that there, whether there is a cancellation fee or not, uh, make sure that the rate is uh, stable for the entire time. I, I mentioned earlier about banning variable rate contracts. One of the new gimmicks some of these suppliers have done is they created something called a 
a fixed tiered contract, which would allow them to charge you a contract that has tiers with a different rate in each tier. So a contract is variable if it's less than four months. So they'll sign you up for a year and every four months have a different uh, contract term. Now, once again, it falls into that apples to apples comparison issue. You, you're making the comparison in the first tier and it might be great, but in tiers two and three of that contract, you have no idea. We capped cancellation fees at $50, and a lot of these suppliers are now charging an enrollment fee. You can pay up to $250 just to get the best rate, but if you don't annualize that enrollment fee into the contract, you could be paying more, particularly in the outlying months. And not only that, never, ever, ever pay for your electricity before you use it because something could happen to that company. They can be out. Their bond might not cover the expenses, and you're out that money. So it's, you know— Two messages I have as to why we're really calling for this, and our allies are as well. Yes, there is a lot of deception. There's some fraud and abuse. There are illegal practices, and you can go onto the uh, Public Utilities Regulatory Authority website and see the number of fines <clears throat> that these companies have been levied, both civil and, and criminal, based on their practices. But the market is just so confusing that, you know, you would have to spend every single month monitoring every aspect of that contract to maybe save a couple of bucks. And if you make a mistake, that all gets wiped out potentially in one month. So it's just so confusing and complex that, you know, we're finding we can reduce standard offer rate for everybody because we'd have more people with a larger scale when we purchase the power. You wouldn't have a fixed rate for six months at a time, you would know what it is. It'd be lower for everybody. And we would also be weeding out all the expenses that the ratepayers are paying for to do the enforcement investigation on all of these practices by these suppliers. Uh, just uh, this past week, the Department of Energy and Environmental Protection Commissioner, designee Katie Dykes, said, you have no idea how much money and staff power goes into an investigation dealing with these companies. We could be doing better things like better regulating Eversource and United Illuminating, better regulating the water companies, better regulating the cable companies if we didn't have to spend so much time on this kind of Rube Goldberg, you know, uh, a system that we've set up, you know, to, to give people, quote unquote, choice. People aren't looking for choice. They're looking for lower rates. And if we get away with these suppliers, we'll have a better lower rate consistent for everyone. Is this an experiment that Connecticut broke ground on, or is this something that other states do? So <clears throat> there are only 15 states in the country that deregulated, and we first deregulated 20 years ago. We opened the market 10 years ago. Not a single state has joined the club of 15 states that made this mistake, frankly. And we're not the only state that's calling on this to go away. Um, Massachusetts Attorney General has... Uh, introduced legislation in Massachusetts, our neighbor, to eliminate the retail market for consumers. And uh, New Hampshire and other states are looking at it as well. I do want to make just one quick point. For those that, that get into the market because they want a green option, they want to spend more because they want their supply to be 100% renewable, the legislation that the Consumer Council and AARP are recommending would create two standard offers, a green standard offer for those who want to be environmentally conscious and then a regular standard offer. So we, we kind of take care of that 
concern uh, because I know a lot of environmentally conscious people say, hey, I like the market because I can get 100% green offer. Uh, by the way, there's really no way to prove that anything that you're buying is actually 100% renewable because these suppliers are all unregulated. We have no idea what their books are, uh, what their practices are. You know, everything is, is kind of clouded and masked. So we did uh, accommodate the, the notion that some people wanted to pay more because they want to be more environmentally conscious. But we're not the only one looking at doing this. As I say, I think once we, we get going, uh, hopefully we're the groundbreaker in terms of passing legislation to take away the residential market. But other states probably will join us very soon. Now, there's pushback from third-party suppliers who, number one, say, if you're vigilant, you can't save money. And number two, why should the entire industry be punished because there are a few bad actors? Well, How would you respond to that? You know, I, and I think that's a fair point. Choice for choice sake is really not a choice, particularly when they market the mark, they promote the market to save money. You know, and when you hit them on the fact that people pay $200 million more over the last three years, they say, well, this isn't about saving money. It's about choice. And, and who are you to say people shouldn't have a choice? But I go back to my point about the complexity of the market. You, you, there are times where it's impossible to be vigilant in order to, you know, understand this. The average person just can't follow it. I mean, I've had lawyers, I've had quote unquote, literally rocket scientists that haven't big, been able to figure this out. And there's a difference between the large commercial industrial customers and why we say, if you want to do it, great. <clears throat> you know, your Pratt and Whitney's and your Sikorsky's and all these people, what they do is they hire somebody who manages their energy portfolio on a daily basis. They go out, they monitor the market, they have education in how to do this, and they save their companies money because they play the market in a, in a way uh, that we can't as individual consumers. The commercial industrial customers are 75% of all of the electric load in the state of Connecticut. Residential consumers are 25%. We have 30-some-odd offers uh, uh, suppliers in the state of Connecticut with all their different offers who are trying to market to 1.6 million people residences on a you know individual basis for a quarter of the electricity and then you as a consumer have to manage playing on these little margins because it's so little power that you know they don't make their money on you as an individual customer unless they do things like charge enrollment fees cancellation fees um and and things like that so it, it it's a complex market. It's too complex for the average person to be vigilant on. And yes, there are some people who are winning, but I, I, I challenge anybody to tell me that the small percentage of people that are winning, maybe even overall winning uh, in the terms of their contract against the $200 million that people in Connecticut are overpaying. And we have the highest electric rates in the continental U.S. Um, as uh, our con uh, consumer council, Ellen Katz, pointed out, occasionally we're, we're challenged for the number one spot and we're number two. But overall, it's ridiculous. And if we could do something to change that, we should. And I call on our, our public officials to make sure we have this legislation. It gets a fair hearing. And I challenge those who represent third-party electric suppliers to justify that choice is more important than people getting uh, ripped off or paying too much for their electricity. So I'll have that debate with them anytime, and we can do it on air here if you'd like. 
You are listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to John Erlinghauser, Advocacy and Community Outreach Director for AARP Connecticut. What are some of your other legislative priorities this year? Yeah, so we're, we're working on a whole host of things. You know, this is one, but another one that, you know, we have a, a, a large uh, uh, concern for caregivers in the state of Connecticut. And, you know, billions of dollars of unpaid uh, care is provided for uh, loved ones in the state of Connecticut, be it a, a child, a parent, a spouse, um, a significant other. And one of the big obstacles to actually getting proper care from those unpaid caregivers is, you know, their job. And, you know, I'm very lucky working for AARP. I, I lived with and took care of my mother who had Alzheimer's disease for eight years. And because AARP afforded me the ability to take paid leave, I was able to, to do the things I needed to when I wasn't at work and a caregiver, a paid caregiver couldn't do them for her, like doctor's appointments and, and the like. So what we're calling for is an earned family and medical leave insurance program that would cost virtually nothing to the state and nothing to employers because it's an insurance program that would allow individuals to take time off to care for a loved one. And as I said, whether it's a child, a spouse, um, a significant other. And so, you know, there seems to be a, a broad base of support. Uh, I think both parties likely to support it. I think the devil's in the details of how it gets done. There's a couple of different approaches. Uh, but, you know, Governor uh, Lamont has voiced his support throughout the campaign and initially for this legislation, as do the majorities in the legislature. And quite frankly, the, the minority party uh, has expressed a desire to get to yes on this. So I'm hopeful that we can get to yes and and provide an ERD family medical leave program for individuals. As you noted, the devil's in the details, but it would essentially be funded by an employee payroll tax? Yes. Yes, it would be an employee payroll tax. So it would come out of your uh, pay and uh, you would that's why that program would then be available uh, to you because you're paying into it much like uh, you do Social Security and other programs. Now, you know, the interesting thing about this is that people, there are, are opponents who will say, well, you know, why should I pay into this if I don't need it? And the fact of the matter is it goes boils down to the insurance principle, which is that if you don't pull everybody into it, then it doesn't work. You can't just have people who need the leave you know, pull out of it. The same as you just, you know, you, when you, with insurance, if you don't insure everybody and you just insure sick people, <laughs> then the system won't work. So it's intended to be there for you when you need it. And we never know when we're going to need it. And there's one thing I can assure you from AARP research or from just common sense, at some point in life, somebody is either going to be a caregiver, know a caregiver or need care. And this is going to make that system so much more accessible. We already have family and medical leave. This is just a way of people um, to be able to take that leave without putting a financial burden on themselves or their loved ones. Why is this attempt being made at the state level instead of nationally? Well, I mean, there are proposals nationally, and uh, you know, but the fact of the matter is, um, there is a need, and you know, we would love to see a national solution to this. Uh, but we have the ability to get it done here in Connecticut. And so, you know, why not? Um, if we, we have uh, broad support for it, we have the need, uh, we have, you know, a history of, of kind of advancing 
programs like this, uh, and and as I say, this earn uh, leave insurance program. So why not do it? And if if we can do it at the federal level too, we'd support that. And I know the president uh, in his State of the Union addressed expressed a form of family leave. Um, and so at least the discussion's happening, and we encourage that. What is AARP looking for in the state budget this year? Yeah, I mean it's you know probably going to be another tough budget. I mean, we're slowly coming out of our economic doldrums and, you know, Governor Lamont is setting a new tone and and as are both parties in the legislature. But uh, we have to really keep an eye out on a couple of areas, particularly, you know, I talked about caregiving areas that help people, uh, caregivers and those who want to have a home and community-based setting for their care. So programs like the Connecticut Home Care Programs for Elders and the Alzheimer Respite Program, two programs that, you know, really enable people to age in a home and community-based setting. The home care program is a state-funded program, and it allows people to stay in their home based on the number of uh, uh, functional limitations they have versus the amount of money they have. So there's a cap in the amount of liquid cash you can have, uh, but you are allowed to own your home. It's not Medicaid. You're allowed to have a car. Uh, but if you need help with, let's say, uh, toileting or uh, meal preparation or medication monitoring, you know, based on the number of those kinds of assistances that you need uh, determines how much assistance you get from the program. And it's limited to getting financial support of up to 50 percent of the Medicaid nursing home reimbursement rate. It also has an estate recovery program. So if there's an estate left at the end of uh, somebody's use of the program, the state gets paid back. There are co-pays and other things. The program's been strained over the last several years. There have been a lot of caps to it and clo- uh, uh, cuts to it. But we want to ensure that it doesn't continue to go in that direction because it's it's that critical. And then the Alzheimer's Respite Program allows people who care for people with Alzheimer's and dementia to get some respite from dealing with, uh, you know, the, the grind of caring for somebody like that. You know, I did it. And for, for over a year while my mother was on the home care program, you know, I'd go to work, I'd come home, I'd alleviate the paid caregiver who was with her at that time. And then I was home until I went to work the next morning when the caregiver came back in. And then Saturdays and Sundays were all me. I mean, you know, it's it, it for a year, it was like that. And, you know, as I say, if it wasn't for having a very uh, uh, progressive and and caring employee, employer like AARP who advocates for these kinds of proposals, um, I don't know that I could have done it. So these programs are are really cost savers, not cost drivers. Um, they keep down Medicaid costs, and uh, we are really uh, going to be watching those very carefully and hope hope that uh, Governor Lamont sees the value of these programs. I'm sure he will, but uh, that'll be a big issue for us. Is there anything else brewing in the world of utilities? I know there have been proposals to deregulate the landline telephone service in Connecticut. Do you expect those to come back? Yeah, this I, year? I know there'll be a, a, a deregulation of landline phone bill. Um, they've raised the concept of that piece of legislation this past week, and uh, you know we'll we'll read it when it comes out and uh, see what it says. Um, you know, we're getting to a point where fewer and fewer. People are using landlines, but it's still, you know, kind of the only regulated guarantee of a phone that you can get in the state of Connecticut. So if you want to get your phone from your cable company, you know, and and they don't provide the service, then you don't get it. And if you don't buy a bundle from your cable company that includes Internet and 250 cable channels and your phone, 
Um, you, you just can't get that phone alone. So, you know, we're kind of in this quagmire of, yeah, you know, fewer and fewer people are using the old landline telephone that comes over the old copper wires and you think about the phone in your kitchen wall. But it's the only one that is guaranteed to be there for you. So we're still kind of holding on to that. But we also want to ensure that we move into the, you know, kind of let alone the 21st century, kind of the 20th century and and make sure people have affordable and accessible broadband. And it's, that's an issue in a lot of rural areas in Connecticut and a lot of low income areas. And so we're trying to figure out what the right mix of corporate and government and other stakeholder intervention is to really get to where we need to be so that there is that affordable and accessible broadband. He is John Erlinghauser, Advocacy and Community Outreach Director for AARP Connecticut. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thanks, Aaron. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.